You may think the operating system is the lowest level piece of software on your computer, but you'd be wrong. All PCs actually have a firmware, and traditionally that firmware is known as the BIOS. Modern systems still have a thing like the BIOS, although it's not necessarily just called the BIOS. In this episode, we're going to talk about what a BIOS is and why you might want to access it. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that was actually requested by a listener. Thank you to listener Armaj Roy for asking us to talk about a BIOS. And the term BIOS traditionally was the firmware of an IBM PC compatible, but the term is also used more generically. Technically, IBM PC and compatibles, and there is no IBM PC anymore. Of course, the company sold its PC division to Lenovo. But anyway, um, the IBM PC compatibles of today, the x86 Intel machines of today, don't use a BIOS. They use another firmware called UEFI. But I'm going to be using the term BIOS somewhat generically today. And I'll point out to you when I'm talking about the original line of IBM PC BIOSes and compatibles versus just a more generic type of BIOS. But we, whichever one we're talking about, we're talking about the firmware of a PC. So let's start with where does the BIOS sit in the computer architecture? We may cover firmware more generally on a future episode, but it's essentially a low-level piece of device-specific software that either stands alone in the case of something like an embedded system or provides a hardware control interface for higher-level software like an operating system in a more complex system like your PC. So a BIOS is a type of firmware. So you have your hardware at the lowest level, then you have the BIOS, which is sitting on top of the hardware, and then you have your operating system, which is sitting on top of the BIOS. You mentioned that BIOS is a specific term that refers to the firmware of the IBM PCs and the IBM PC compatibles from 1981 until about 2014. Yeah, if you have a computer that was manufactured in the last 10 years and it has an Intel or AMD microprocessor, it probably doesn't technically have what we traditionally call the BIOS. It instead has a firmware that uses the UEFI interface, um, which is basically like a modern BIOS. So I'm kind of using the term BIOS generically, as a lot of people do in this episode, but there was actually an official thing called a BIOS, like BIOS as a proper noun instead of as a generic term um, that was in most PCs up until about the last decade. And what specifically does the BIOS do now that the operating system does not? Well, one of the most important roles of the BIOS is to start up the control of the computer. And the first thing it has to do is actually check that the essential components of the computer are working correctly. So it might actually check that the microprocessor is correctly running instructions. It might check that the memory is correctly responding. So it'll try putting some values into memory, then try reading them back and make sure that the memory is working correctly. And it might check that some other essential support chips are actually working fine. If they are not, it will actually report to the user, hey, there's some kind of error. And on early IBM PCs, it might actually do that by doing a certain sequence of beeps or it might show something on the screen uh, on slightly later versions of the early BIOS. The other things that the BIOS does is things like controlling the essential hardware of the computer. So these might be things like handling interrupts from the interrupt controller, or setting the 
timer correctly on the programmable interrupt timer. But as a user, what you're probably most using the BIOS for are some things like setting the system clock and setting the boot order. That's actually the most common reason that a user, and we'll talk more about what users might use the BIOS for, but the most common reason that a user uses the BIOS is to actually change the order that the BIOS is gonna look for an operating system on various different disks. So it might, for example, say, hey, you wanna look on your hard disk first for an operating system and then look on a USB device for an operating system. Why? Because maybe you don't want it to automatically boot from the operating system that you have on the USB device. You want it to, by default, boot from the operating system you have on your hard drive. Or maybe you've actually hooked up an external DVD drive and you want the operating system to boot from that external DVD drive. So you're going to go into the BIOS to say, hey, don't just right away go and look for the operating system on the hard drive. Look for it on the external DVD drive. So the original and current purposes of the BIOS have shifted a bit. Yeah. So earlier versions of the BIOS before this whole UEFI era would actually do quite a bit more. And some of these things have been taken over by modern operating systems. I mentioned actually system interrupts. And commonly today, we're not going to worry as much about system interrupts as we would have 20 years ago or beyond they would typically be handled by the BIOS. And those interrupts are going to be coming from a whole host of peripheral devices. For example, every time somebody strikes a key on the keyboard on an early IBM PC, that would generate an interrupt. That interrupt would actually be handled by the BIOS, not by the operating system. And then the BIOS would have the data which key was pressed available for the operating system. Also, some basic control of even the video card would be handled by the BIOS on early IBM PCs. So every time you wanted to show a character on the screen, you would actually call a BIOS function. The operating system wasn't directly controlling necessarily the CGA or MGA graphics adapter, but instead the BIOS was controlling them and the operating system was calling these interrupts in the BIOS in order to cause a character to be displayed on the screen. In fact, early versions of the BIOS also had built-in control of disks. They were capable of talking to the floppy disk controller, for example. And so the operating system didn't actually have to know how to directly control the floppy disk drive. It could let the BIOS handle that essential function. How does a programmer interact with the BIOS? Well, today, your average programmer is never going to have a reason to actually directly interact with the BIOS. On those early IBM PCs, the programmer may actually interact with the BIOS all the time. They were working with really slim operating systems, something like DOS or CPM. And DOS and CPM themselves were just calling BIOS routines to do a lot of basic functionality. And so the programmer, instead of calling a higher level interface through DOS or CPM, may just directly call those BIOS routines. And that would actually be quite common for everything from talking to a disk drive to putting a character on the screen or reading from the keyboard, just like we talked about earlier. Can someone go in and change the BIOS? So here we're going to get into some more history. On early IBM PCs, the BIOS was in ROM. ROM is read-only memory, and that read-only memory was completely unchangeable. So sometimes there would actually be bugs in the BIOS or new features that came out in a newer version of the BIOS. And in order to fix those bugs or get those newer features, you would actually have to physically remove the ROM chip from the computer and put a new ROM chip in. 
And when there were recalls of certain computers, this actually would happen, like a, a new ROM chip would actually be physically put on the motherboard. All modern firmwares or BIOSes for PCs, like all everything in the UEFI era, are all on flash memory. So it is actually user upgradable and it is actually possible to change your BIOS or change your firmware. Again, we're using the term BIOS generically. And there are some companies more generally that really do specialize in just making this type of firmware or firmware more generally. That's right. Some companies really specialize in making firmware for PCs. Two that people might have heard of are American Megatrends, also known as AMI, and Phoenix Technologies. These companies played a pivotal role in the expansion of the PC industry in the 1980s. Here's why. The original IBM PC had a proprietary BIOS. It was a BIOS developed by IBM. IBM actually published the source code to the BIOS. The reason was they wanted people to be able to program well for the IBM PC and really understand how the BIOS works. But of course, the BIOS was still covered under copyright law. So if another manufacturer wanted to make an IBM-compatible computer, let's say a company like Compaq, they couldn't just go and copy IBM's BIOS. That would be illegal. It would be violating copyright law. They actually had to reverse engineer it in a clean room environment without looking at any of IBM's code. Compaq successfully did this, and so did American Megatrends, and so did Phoenix Technologies. Because they were third-party companies and not PC manufacturers themselves, what they did is they would then sell their reverse-engineered BIOS to other PC manufacturers who wanted to make IBM-compatible computers. So without these alternative BIOSes, it would have been impossible for the whole PC industry to expand in the way that it did. And it really would have been limited to just IBM and companies like Compaq that were able to reverse engineer it themselves. And these companies still exist. American Megatrends and Phoenix Technologies still exist. And now they make other kinds of firmware, including UEFI type BIOSes, which are you know firmware that's like a BIOS. We just don't call it a BIOS anymore because it has a more modern interface than that traditional IBM PC BIOS. You touched on this earlier, but what would a user use the BIOS for? Yeah, so an early user of an IBM PC from the 1980s wouldn't really use the BIOS for anything except to be notified by it if something was wrong. So there was no like user configurable mode on early BIOSes for the user to actually do anything. So we were talking earlier about like changing the boot order, right? If you were using an early IBM PC, that would just be set in stone. It would always first look, let's say, for the operating system on a floppy disk and then look for the operating system on a hard disk or something like that. The order would just be what the order is. However, starting in the 1990s, uh, BIOSes allow the user to configure some different parameters. For example, the user can go and change the boot order. Or a modern user, what you might want to use it for is changing the boot order, maybe setting the system clock. I had a computer a few years ago that had a BIOS that allowed me to actually overclock the system memory speed. And now, what's overclock? So your memory and your CPU has some design speed that it's supposed to operate on, but usually it also has the ability to operate maybe slightly faster, maybe even sometimes slightly slower. We call that downclocking. Um, and you might actually want to get a little bit more performance out of the machine by overclocking it, making it go a little faster than the manufacturer really wanted you to have it go. And you can sometimes configure this. Certain BIOSes would allow you to just go in there and say, hey, here's the speed I want to use. And so that might be one reason that you actually go into the BIOS is you want to actually change the speed. Now, not every BIOS actually allows you to do that, and not every 
piece of hardware is able to be safely overclocked. That's one reason. Changing the boot order is another reason. How do you get into the BIOS? Well, usually when the computer's booting up, there'll be a little um, message on the screen for a very short period of time says, press this key to enter the BIOS or the firmware or whatever. And you gotta be fast. You gotta press it in time. And then you get into this interface where you can change it. Modern uh, firmwares are so advanced that some of them even support mice and have graphical user interfaces. Uh, They're a lot easier to use than they were 20 years ago. So let's summarize a little bit. A BIOS is a pretty essential, or was a pretty essential, piece of firmware on a computer. Right. And we use the term generically. We're talking about the modern firmware on a modern PC that um, is under the UEFI interface. It's still really a type of BIOS. We just don't, it's just not an official IBM PC BIOS in the way it used to be. It used to have even more functions and be even more important than it is today. The operating system has taken over some of the functions that the BIOS originally had. Um, but you still might want to use it because you still might want to go change the system clock, change the order of the boot devices, maybe overclock your PC a little bit. Um, and it's still doing those hardware tests when the computer first starts up still making sure everything's running correctly, and it still has to be there to actually say, hey, let's go load the operating system and go find the operating system on a disk. So it still has some essential functions. It's I didn't mention and talk about that's also used for some power management features as well, so it has some roles there. But as a whole, it's something that sits between the operating system and the hardware and does some really low-level functions. I also want to point our listeners to our previous episodes on operating systems. It's actually episode two. It's actually our most listened to episode of all time. And we did an episode on device drivers, which is not the same thing, but has some connections. So um, I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.